Aloha mai kakou. Thanks so much for stopping by the Aloha Friday Conversation. I'm Noe Tanigawa, so glad you're here. We're spending most of this hour taking in sounds and scenes from the 1970s and 80s in Hawaii. I mean, this music you're hearing right now is the song Pandanus by the Peter Moon Band, released in 1982 on the Cane Fire album. The Peter Moon Band is a major musical outgrowth from the Hawaiian cultural renaissance. Multi-instrumental musician, composer Peter Moon passed in 2018, but key founding band member, singer, guitarist Bobby Hall agreed to come into our studio. He brought singer-guitarist Mark Yim, also from the Peter Moon Band, to flesh out the music and the times for us. Peter Moon, intense, but with a flashing smile and long ponytail, and Gabby, Cyril, and Martin Pahinui are all part of the story. Eddie Kamai, Joe Marshall, and Feet Rogers, Robert and Roland Casimero. The Crater Festival, all-day music concerts, actually happened inside Diamond Head Crater. Yep, the Peter Moon Band's first release, Tropical Storm, exploded on quite a scene in 1979. It kind of embodied the moment. Confident, resourceful, lots of emotion. It just, Thank it, you. you oh, know, welcome. I so, mean, I mean, it's it's very hard to talk about that time and that genre without giving you know credit to Peter. You know, Peter, to me, um, was, uh, well, still is to me, a uh, musical genius on the local level. Peter Moon. Peter Moon. Peter Moon. I mean, from the time that he started playing with the, you know, the Painois and the Kalimas on the early Sunday Manoa days, till he transitioned to Robert and Roland, till he transitioned to the Peter Moon Band, he was, he had this concept for Hawaiian music giving it the necessary respect that it has, you know, through history, but just cranking it up just enough to get more listeners and more people to feel the music, not just hear it. When they recorded Pandanus, that's basically a Peter composition from start to finish. You know, when we went into the studio, uh, and Mark knows this, this was an annual event for the Peter Moon Band, you know, while we were performing. Every December, every January, we're rehearsing for another album. We've been blessed by having good writers, you know, write for the Peter Moon Band. Yep. Um, mm. Leo Wakana, Patrick Downs. Right. You know, Peter's a writer. Larry, who translates, you know, sure. the Larry Chibura. Chibura. So we've, we've had a good basis to work from every year, and the formula worked, so we kept doing it. But Peter would always come up with an instrumental piece every year. And mm. the year that he, you know, um, came up with Pandanus, that's all him. That's just him. You know, playing up in Manoa, probably thinking about it at Manoa Pool while he's getting all sunburned every day. You know, coming up with the right chords and stuff. Brings a basic song to rehearsal. And then you get the rest of the, the three of us or four of us just salt, pepper, you know, ketchup, whatever. Just turn it into, you know, what, what you hear. It just captured such <clears throat> a vibe. You know, tell me, Bobby, what, what, when did you first hear Peter's action that he put on music, you know? So what, what um, set the light bulb on for me was the uh, Sons of Hawaii. Okay. Was the, you know, Sons of Hawaii yep. album with Gabby and Mo and Eddie and Joe and Feet. Mm-hmm. That was just like, wow. You know, wow. I heard Hawaiian music before from my mom's side, but what is this? You know, so that excited me. And from there, the interest grew and Okay, here's this other, you know, Sunday Manoa group with uh, Baby Kalima, you know, and Cyril Painui, who was like 18 at the time. Mm-hmm. Who's these guys? And who's this guy with ponytail? You know, kind of listening and say, wow, wow, this is interesting. And then they come up with, you know, like uh, Guava Jam. Guava Jam, yeah. yes. Guava Jam. Right? There were three iterations of the Sunday Manoa. Um, so Peter started out, like Bob said, with Baby Kalima, um, Cyril Painui who was right out of high school. And I think I mean, Palani too, yeah? yeah Palani yep, and actually time. lit up Palani Vaughn. Palani Vaughn's first album was with Peter. Meet Palani, meet Palani Vaughn and the Sunday Manoa. Oh. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know if this is in the correct order, but Bla and, you know, also played with Peter as right. part of the Sunday Manoa. Yes. Bla Pahinui. So, you know, these guys were like, wow. Oh, man. Just wow. Yeah. Where would they play? Yeah. Would they play live in there town? Was, there were always clubs. Where? Um, all over. Uh, Yoko's. They did a lot Ship- of stuff on the windward side. Yep. You know, Shipwreck really? Kelly's. Yeah. Uh, honeys yeah. before. Yeah. yeah. Honeys. honeys from Don's yeah. 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 They're all gone now. Yeah. Where were they? Kaneohe Town? Kailua? 
Kailuatan had had places too, but had a couple places, they all disappeared. All disappeared. Yeah. And, no, How about here in town? town? Like yeah, Kalakaua had town. a couple. Oh, yeah, there were so get, the, get the small places. Like, you know, you remember Auntie Juno used to play on, was that Bethel Street right. or downtown right across Hawaii there was, Tierra? Uh, in the early 70s and 60s, as, as most people our age remember, uh, there were showrooms, you know, in Waikiki. Bars everywhere. In bars in Waikiki? Bars in Waikiki, bars in uh, Kali'i. had tons of bars in Kali'i. I don't know if I, I was a nightclub person. You know, they had uh, like Ranch House, Haina Haina had music. Yep. Oh, uh, right. The Stein, uh, New Valley had music. Oh my gosh. You know, so, um, and all these places where you could play. But really, I had opportunity to hear the music in the yard, in in Pops, the yard. Oh. Because, you know, I... I had close friends in Waimanalo who lived just like right there. And before I even knew I was going to be playing music, I became friends with the family, you know, and not so much Peter because, you know, he's like this, yeah, in our book. But what? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, no, for me, oh, that's Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, you know, entertainers our age probably have the same story. You know, music was all around. It wasn't, you know, just you know, Waikiki or any place else, at least the type of music, local music that we like to, you know, hear. And you, you just, you know, it was there. You, you know, whatever concerts was going on, whatever backyard stuff, I mean, there was a whole series of um, fundraisers and concerts going on in Waiholi Valley at the time. Oh, you know, right. and you see all the brothers, all the local musicians over there on a concert setting, you know, so you could you could get the That's music true. there. Yep. You the, could get the music out there. Um, what was it, the, the Crater Festival? Oh. Right, Creative Festival. Yeah, that was the other one too. For years and years, they, uh, that's how I was told by our sound man. That was how uh, these two guys, Henry and Cecilio, were discovered <laughs> on the side stage, not the main stage. So, oh, you mean you so? You're saying at that time, Cecilio and Capona were just a local act on a right. side stage. Yep. <laughs> and they, yeah. uh, as was Kalapana, you know, uh-huh. as was Backdoor from Rodney, oh, uh, Sea Wind, oh, yeah. all these guys. Yeah, everybody was hoping to to hit. Hit some, you know, the somewhere. big stage with yeah. Carlos. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> you know, that tower of power. Yeah. Yep, exactly. War, war, war you know. Yeah. Uh, You're describing the music that was going on in mainstream when all the this great local music yep. was happening. And too. I think the mainstream music helped influence the local music because, you know, I, I'm from a time where you know music is the three That's what the parents, our parents, you know, taught us to play. But then you know when Peter. You know, Sandy Manoa, even the Painuis, when they started to play the same song, you know, with different, more current chords, it became different. You know, Blah, Martin, Cyril. I mean, their influence on the pop, on pop's music is that they, they brought in the Beatles. The, you know, the, 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 the licks, yeah, absolutely. the runs, yeah. you know, the, the, some of the arrangements is Beatles arrangements. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because that's, that's what... And, the, and the, driving, the, the driving rhythm. Yeah. So oh, if you yeah. listen to Pop's later recordings, you can hear that the chunking rhythm uh, that drives through. And, like, what? Give me an example of a song. Um, uh, Le Nani, uh, okay. the, the song. Oh yeah. sons, you know, and uh, uh, Peter, I had asked Peter one time, we, we got to spend a lot of time together, all of us, uh, but I uh, I was the young kid in the, the group at the time, so I was the, the, the roadie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, as, as the a, muscle as, guy. Mark, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see you guys, you know, these guys always had golf or they had friends, they're going to, hey, Yim got it, you know, yeah. Yeah, I guess so, you know. <laughs> So I spent a lot of time with Peter, and I asked him, I said, oh, so did Gabby teach me? He said, Gabby, he he would look at me and and tell me, stop it, you know. <laughs> and you just stop, you know. you know. Why are you doing that? You know, don't but, do but, that. But, you know, you know, again, I would say that the, the music of the current time, you know, helped to shape and influence the musicians back then. Yep. So it became what people called back then contemporary Hawaiian music, mm-hmm. yeah? And then you know, um, you know, Peter 
you know, I think he, he took up music in school or he, he just trained in doing <coughs> classical or just the, the structure of music. So when he applied, you know, just ukulele, it was based on music theory, music structure, not just Beach Boy, four chords, right. oh. I'm going to sing to you, you know, <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah, there was some, there was some thought behind that. Yeah. So it, it, it was technical for him, but it just magic. You know, just magic how it comes out. So right. going back to Pandanus, you know, we heard that. It's like, wow, how do you keep up with that? It seems so simple. <laughs> exactly. But and it's contagious. You know, it just right. it just yes. sticks. The, the hook line just sticks, you know. Mm. Peter just, liked to, when he, when he uh, performed music or when he recorded music, he, he likes to fill up the song. You know, and by that I mean, you know, instead of just, um, and, and I'll sing it out, Pandanus. Everybody else would just play that. But he always played like a, a, a response or an answer. Correct. That's it. We would call it the backfill. You know, oh. you get that space and backfill it while you're waiting for the next chord to drop. Yeah. And, oh. and even the chord changes, you know, simple chord changes most guys would do. Mm -hmm. But somehow, you know, between this chord and this chord, Peter squeezes in like four more chords. And, and that's like what Jake does now, right? <laughs> don't really you know it sounds so fluid you, you kind of just eh, just passing but no so clean yep so technical and you know it's an honor you know for both of us that our music is still being played today you know multiple years after it was you know recorded yeah. and it sounds fresh how do you do that right i don't know i think you know time you know time rewards good stuff i like to think you know I, I'd like to think that the effort and amount of time that we put in the studio, because that was torture for us. I mean, yep. you come Christmas time, you give your family presents, and then you kiss, kiss them goodbye. goodbye. Exactly. You tell them, I see you in February, because oh. we're going to be recording. <laughs> I thought, you know, and I thought he was joking. And nope. You know, my wife was hot by the first year I joined the band. And sure, true that. Christmas time, after Christmas, you know, okay, rehearsals. Since rehearsal were powered right into the studio every, and because he and I worked during, uh, March and two worked during the day, we'd have to record at night after working all day. So what would it be about uh, five, six o'clock to midnight yeah, every night? Easy. Yeah. For a solid month. Yeah. And you know, the technology back then was different than what we have now. Correct. No <laughs> yeah. digital. No digital. Yep. Real you know, to real. Real to real cut. You had to sing on pitch. Yep. You know, you couldn't use auto -correct. something to autocorrect and move your flat yep. tones up. Oh my! Like like nothing pe people do now. <laughs> yeah. It's wrong. Take it again. Oh boy! You know, yeah, take cut, it again. Take it again. Yep. Physically tape it together. Physically <laughs> tape it together. Yep. Oh. They had the splicer machine right there, right there. There was a splicer, you know. Well, I was wondering what you guys um, decided to do when you put the reunion band together. I mean, you know, you had something in mind behind that. I, I think. Um, we call it the reunion band. <laughs> is that, is yeah, that what you call it? 2019, right? You know, there's a lot of um, people, fans from the time, that still remembers that music and still wants to hear that music. There's still an interest in it. So when we can, we try to play it. And for the, the four of us, and right now that's myself, Mark, Dwight Kanai, and... Um, Ocean Kawili. Oh, I just and, admire And sometimes guys. if Ocean, you know, because he's still a fire captain mm -hmm. working for HFD, if you kind of make him, then Kimo Bell jumps in, you know. <laughs> so 
there's there's still wow. there's still opportunities for us to try to recreate what we can. Uh-huh. It's it's not a perfect match, but you know on what we did before. Um, I don't know anybody other than maybe Peter Jr. that can play like Peter. Oh, really? You know? Can he? He's he's, he's pretty. He's, he's very pretty talented. Good, very he's talented. Pretty good. Yeah. Does he play around? Um, he was. He was actually on tour for a long time with with Cyril when mm. Cyril was doing concerts. You know, sadly, uh, Cyril passed away as well. Uh-huh. You know, in fact, all three of the Pahinui br- brothers and Martin's birthday actually it was yesterday. Happy birthday, Grams! Happy birthday! Mm. Yeah, but you know, um, but yeah, I don't know anybody that can do what Peter does. You know, a lot of guys can copy him technically, but he can create stuff. He can make things out of nothing, and yep. that, and and you know, that's that's just Peter. Did you get, ever get an inkling of where he got it? How that happened? You know, I I. I I don't know. After a while, I, I just know, don't want to ask. You know, I, I'm a partner slash fan. Where did he get it from? I think he's always had an interest in music, and I think he always tried to evolve music. You know, from where it was, take it up a not a notch with respect, take it up a not a notch with respect, and you know, keep trying to you know explore different music genres, mm-hmm. try to mm-hmm. tie it in with a local flavor. All of our recordings, we had a, a mixture of straight Hawaiian, uh, contemporary, ballads. Latin. 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 Peter had a driving theme, uh, slack key X, you know, slack key samba, slack key boogie oh, woogie, right. slack key <laughs> samba, slack key, you know, whatever. Right. All the sweat from an island song, loosen ambitions and follow along. Could be dancing till early dawn, moving softly to the stacky summer. Every one of our albums had something like that. We had a Leo, you know, composition which was usually a driving song. And, you know, and then yeah, we just turn it over to Martin. You know, I don't know anybody who can sing till today like Martin. I mean till today. So when we first recorded as the Peter Moon band, uh, it was just myself. Peter and Randy, Lorenzo. Great, great And this players, was great from, the, from 1979 when I got a call from Peter. Oh and he asked, you know, because I, I wasn't playing music actively at that time. I was working for the state full-time. Um, he asked if I wanted to join the band. And let me, let me think now. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know that what we were going to attempt to do was all in Peter's head right now. So... As we got together, you know, Peter's, you know, vision was for, you know, um, double X guitars, aggressive music, you know, with Hawaiian flavor. He wanted to ex- explore, you know, multiple harmonies mm-hmm. on traditional Hawaiian songs. You know, he wanted to, um, you know, drive a song like Kaulana Napua to the, to the point where it was almost sacrilegious. When I think what you folks did to Kaulana Napua, which always was kind of a sing- singer-songwriter, little four-square, you know, strummy thing prior to what you folks, how you folks played it. Correct. So one of the Kanekapila events that um, was held up at the university, and Peter was basically the promoter and creator of that. Yep. He brought in a, a group of dancers from uh, Rarotonga, and they, you know, out of respect for the Hawaiian culture, they did uh, chant Kalana Napua, completely their style. A little bit more drums, a little bit more aggressive, but with respect. So that went, the light bulb went on for Peter. From there, you know, we worked on this arrangement of Kaulana Napua with double licks, aggressive, driving the emotions out there. You know, we know the Queen wrote this song, but this song tells a story about something that everybody got to be that was Bob, a, that was um, upset about. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it just cut through. Oh. <clears throat> so, true story. You know, we, we played it back, and, you know, guys was looking at us like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys did something sacrilegious. <laughs> I mean, we had that we had that reaction. Yeah. Uh-huh. We were trying to find um, female vo- voices to be background singers, you know, on the album, on that song. But nobody wanted to do it because they just felt that, no, that's that's not what you're it's supposed to do. over the line. Yeah. yeah, you guys crossed the line. Yeah. You guys crossed the line. So... Me and Randy just had to, you know, tighten up and do the, the girls' parts, which we did, you know, we, we did. And at, at that time, too, for those who remember, you know, Kavena Pukui 
and um, Dorothy Gillette, uh, all of those uh, in, in the field, Martha Kiaha, uh, in the music field and the Hawaiian language field were still very prevalent oh, and yeah. were very, very taken aback by, you know, by why? This version? Yeah, why are, you, why are you young kids doing that to us? You know, Peter came back and said, isn't this a song of protest? Isn't this what it's about? Yeah, but you know, that's not how, we don't just come out and, and do it like so we, we, we tried to stand behind our Larry Kimura intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Larry, you know, a whole story up front. Yes. So, okay, we, if Larry's up front, it should, we, we should be all protected. Yeah. <laughs> did it work? Uh, I guess in, in hindsight, yes, it, yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. Our problem was that everyone was all so young, you know, and progressive and, and, and you know, animated, yeah, which, which stirred the pot of our traditional Hawaiian kupuna at that time, you know. But meantime, it woke, woke up the um, young ones like, like my generation at, at that time, who were still teenagers, and like, wow, this is incredible. This is what Hawaiian music can be. Singer-guitarist Mark Yim and singer-guitarist Bobby Hall, members of the Peter Moon Band. We'll be back later in the program to tell us what it was really like in the band and one secret behind their sound. In that same 1970s, 80s era of the Peter Moon Band, there were land struggles, assertion of indigenous rights, and attempts to figure out alternative ways of doing things. Cooperatives are one answer. Business ownership, supply and demand could be shared by forming cooperatives, agricultural, electric cooperatives, retail or housing cooperatives, even credit unions. Well, Teresa Young started working at the Northwest Co-op Development Center in Washington in 2005. Then, 2016, she moved to Waimea to work for the Kohala Center. Young is their rural cooperative business development specialist. She says there are dozens of successful and budding co-ops in Hawaii, from credit unions to the highly successful Ulu Farmers Cooperative on Hawaii Island. Young says, like all operations, cooperatives face a tough business environment, but they benefit from the co-op advantage. What <laughs> is the co-op advantage? Co-ops are member-driven. I mean, they're owned by members. And if people understood that with the co-op... How is that good? How is that good? You can't get people to do stuff these days, you know, Teresa. No, see, it's like, that's the, that's the challenge right there. There are some co-ops where that just is not true. And it's like those words that you just spoke never even come up. But there is also that story that seems to play out when that story exists and it plays out over and over again. And then you get in that rut. But it's like, there's a lot of people who step up and volunteer for things that they have a passion for. I see it happen all the time that people step up and do what needs to be done to create this co-op. So I mean, that is the key thing because you were outlining all the challenges in the natural environment that affect businesses of every stripe. But those businesses are driven by someone, something that's trying to make money and has, you know, a real incentive there. Co-ops depend on, on, on. Well, it depends because you, you, you hit on something that is important with co-ops. 
And usually co-ops will start because there is a need that's not being fulfilled. And when you look at the food co-ops, when they started back 30 years ago, it was the natural foods that was not being fulfilled. But now in the marketplace, that is being fulfilled. So what will bring people in? What are people hungry for? What do they want, right? What do people that belong to a store would want to be able to shop there? Co-op model is about empowerment. It may not seem like it, but it is. Last week, I was talking to the Employee Ownership Center at Kent State in Ohio. And that's what they focus on is they do conversions of regular business to employee ownership. There was a business that employed 24 people in their little community, but they have not made a dime of profit in like 10 years. That is a perfect candidate for employee ownership because they've employed 24 people. They've paid wages, benefits, sold things, they've engaged in the community, but not enough to be profitable, but enough that they've employed 24 people. And so they could shut their doors and all those people would be unemployed or the employees of that business could take it over and continue to run it, not making a profit, but paying a good wage, paying benefits. That is a really fascinating example as we watch businesses teeter here. Yes. In so in Hawaii, that is something that we could look at. There's all kinds of support for any business trying to think about selling to their employees, even if it's a small business. We've got to look at some way in Honolulu to get to the living wage. It's well over $20 for an individual, of course. Is there any way that somehow cooperatives as a different type of economic model might help us get there? Co-ops are businesses like other businesses and they still have to pencil out. So if you're bringing in the income and you can afford to do it, then absolutely you would because you're not trying to make a profit. Well, since you're, you're not paying an owner. Yes. You're not paying the stakeholder. The people who use the business are the stakeholders. So that's what makes co-ops different. It looks so similar, but it's so different. It's an at-cost model. And the benefits go to the members, not to generating profit. They go to whoever invested. Do you know of any other food co-ops in the state besides Kokua? No. Somebody told me that they're looking at one in Hilo. There might be something somewhere here going, but... Can you see any reason co-ops are particularly appropriate, maybe for now? Do I think co-ops would be a good model for moving forward? Of course. Any business has challenges, and a group of people can have really difficulty working together. But at the same time, another group of people can work together so well that they, like, move mountains. If we need goods and services, a co-op is a good way to do it, specifically in Hawaii. Because I think Hawaii has the ability to cooperate with each other. It's deep in the hearts and soil of this place, really. If you really look at Hawaii culture, cooperation goes deep. Teresa Young is Rural Cooperative Business Development Specialist for the Kohala Center in Waimea, Hawaii Island. They offer advice and resources to cooperative business ventures, including employee ownership transitions. Support for The Conversation comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. Even the best radio shows come to an end. After 30 years, host Ray Cruz has decided to step away from the mic, and his show Latin Beat will conclude on July 30th. Starting August 6th, we're bringing you World Cafe with an eclectic blend of blues, rock, world, folk, and alternative country. Catch it Fridays from 8 to 10 p.m. here on HPR One. Learn more about the changes on our website, hawaiipublicradio.org new. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the Scheidler College of Business at UH Manoa, offering a distance executive MBA in travel industry management. Scheidler.hawaii.edu.
it like for a business to be employee-owned? Does a cooperative really work? Cocoa Market, once Cocoa Country Foods, is a food cooperative that's lived in the university area since 1971. It's 50 years old this year, barely. The market managed to survive years of construction for the UH dorm next door, then COVID, and most recently, the first round in a bruising battle to find a new general manager. Tuesday, I visited Hawaii's only remaining food cooperative, little store there on King Street, just diamond head of university. I spoke with interim general manager Margaret Croxford and assistant manager Kayla Rosenfeld. You may remember Kayla from her term as news director at HPR. Ms. Croxford has been bookkeeper at Kokua for four years and says the store was doing well until about five years ago. We had a general manager that came from the mainland. Mm -hmm. He didn't have contacts with our local farmers, our local businesses, and so primarily brought in everything from the mainland that could have been purchased at Safeway or anywhere else. So it was kind of a tough time because people stopped coming. They couldn't come and get the items that they looked forward to. What did they expect when they came to Kokoa? I, I think they expected what we have now, local meats, local farmers, local products, health products. That's the kind of things that they were looking for, but then... So I think the other thing that people were looking for that they didn't find was that sense of community. Mm -hmm. Why should somebody come to Kokua? What do we offer that nobody else offers? It's the mission. It's the community effort to keep something in Hawaii, which is so transient. Mm -hmm. It's an effort to keep something local that feels to us that's ours. Because I've really been thinking about mm -hmm. that because you said, what is the one thing? Mm -hmm. And there isn't a product, but there's a mission, there's a philosophy, there's mm -hmm. a, an intention behind it. That's what you get here. You all probably got to know the members a lot better over the last couple of years as, as Kokua kind of hit the skids. Mm -hmm. And uh, did you, you considered bankruptcy and uh, decided to pull it all back together. You rounded up the members, mm -hmm. and uh, what happened? Margaret? They were so generous. They wanted the co-op to remain. They wanted it to be a part of the community. This was and about so, two years ago. Yeah, right? so they raised over $170,000 to say, we're going to put our, our money where our mouth is. You know, we believe in this store. And remember that this is a locally owned business. It's not just one individual, it's many individuals that, that hold this store together, which is different to a lot of other stores on the island. These are local people. I think that it still comes back to some of the younger people that are joining now. The idea of being a member of something that they feel is, in, is important. Huh. And you have such a wide variety of people that are volunteers and bring so many different wisdom notes, you know, things uh. that they can take away with them. And it's worked very well. The last three weeks has been extraordinary. About how many active volunteers do you have? I, I was trying to count. I think it's about 20. Mm -hmm. I, I think. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and they're coming on a regular basis. And then there's mm -hmm. individuals that step up to the plate when we, when we need that as well. But, you know, some people can't come in and do uh, work, but they can uh, volunteer by doing things on internet, emails, and, and things like that. So that's pretty encouraging. Help me really understand this, Margaret, because this is actually a business. How's the business doing? The business is struggling of two reasons. One is because of the ebb and flow of students. We do rely a lot on students and, and faculty, but we are taking a new approach that is partnering with a butcher shop. He's going to come in and work in the store with us. He's going to have meat products, grass-fed USDA from Molokai and some from other islands. Makana Provisions. Makana Provisions, right. I met him over right. the weekend. What's his name? Iggy. I Ignatius. Iggy. Right. right. Iggy and Shiloh. They're right. But such a new concept for a store, bringing them in to, to help work alongside us. And um, his prices will be a little bit lower. We hope to entice people in. They, it is grass-fed, local, which is what people want. Our current customer base is solid. I mean, those who know, those who shop have been around for a long time. Our challenge is now is expanding that base. So we need a new 
infusion of customers, mm -hmm. hence this mm -hmm. partnership. Yeah, so just trying to bring in a, you know, a different kind of person. How would somebody start volunteering? Just say, I have five hours I can give you, and then what? Or Fill out a form, mm -hmm. and then the volunteer coordinator will contact you, and then they'll ask you, what is it you want to work on? Um, let's see if we can find that in here for you. And there you go. Yeah, yeah we have people that work on computers. We have people work on signage. I have a handy guy who comes in on Sundays. Um, there's a, on Thursdays when we get our meat deliveries. I've got volunteers who help me process that, price it, put it on the shelves. Mm -hmm. um, when we it's have a volunteer fish, that picks it up from the dock. It's a, yes. So yeah. it's all volunteers. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting wow. things. Yeah. We couldn't do it without the volunteers. volunteers yeah. We really couldn't. How many paid staff are there here? All together is 20, which is small because of finances. I mean, we would like and to have most a few part -time. more. Uh, most of them are part-time, yeah. Do you want to take a quick walk through the store? Yeah, let's, yeah let's do that. Cocoa <laughs> Market's kind of fun to wander in. You find some things you might not find elsewhere. There are brownies made with Waianai gold kiave flour, highly nutritious. They have mm, mead from Manoa Meadery. They have sausages and prime cuts from Makana Provisions. You know what? They make a local venison shumai. There's also a lot of local produce, bananas, lychee. They carry raw local pet food. And they're one of two Bitcoin locations on Oahu. Also, they've got local kombucha and nitro coffee on tap. By the way, the New York Times on Sundays. We spoke with Margaret Croxford, Interim General Manager through September, and Assistant Manager Kayla Rosenfeld, both of Kokua Market. He's been called a barnstorming piano phenomenon, and he's performing in HPR's Atherton Studio. Coming Saturday, July 31st, it's a live stream performance with pianist Henry Herbert playing boogie woogie, blues, and much more, all on HPR's Bosendorfer Grand Piano. It's a virtual concert, so you can join us from anywhere. Sign up at hprtickets.org. Sponsored by Keoki's Paradise and Dukes on Kauai. Support for HPR comes from Par Hawaii and Hele gas stations on Oahu, Maui, and Hawaii Island, featuring Nam Nam convenience stores with their employees supporting local nonprofits, including Special Olympics Hawaii. ParHawaii.com. Moon Band ripped the blinders off our eyes with their first release, Tropical Storm, in 1979. Multi-instrumentalist composer Peter Moon led the band with Martin Pahinui, Cyril Pahinui, Blah Pahinui, Randy Lorenzo, Dwight Kanai, Ocean Kawili, Steve Wolford. I mean, these players all evolved over time, but this first album defined the incredible energy and thrust of the band. Bobby Hall is on this album. Let's jump back into the studio now with Bobby and Mark Yim. Mostly all of the harmony vocals were Bob, and the lead vocals were either Randy or Bob. Mm -hmm. So here's the problem. The album, you know, wins five vocals. Great. Okay, how are we going to do this live? Great. <laughs> sells an incredible amount, like 100,000 units, uh, you know. How are we going to do this yeah. live, guys? Because that was a crazy album it when was, it came it out. It was everybody. Had it on cassette or It was like vinyl. a hurricane yes. that happened. They had to convert it to a band, you know, <laughs> and take it on yeah, the road. Yeah, so, yeah, that, then we had to go find guys to help us do it live. So. Yep, so I was a freshman in college, and they were doing the college circuit around Oahu, and then Outer Island circuit sold out. Every every show sold out, sold out, and it was five of you, I believe, right? We added Cyril. Yep. By, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then um, Randy brought in his good friend from Country Comfort, Steve Wooford. Yes. Oh. Steve came in to play bass, but his style of playing bass is rock and roll. <sighs> you know, like Hawaiian, what is that? So that that added another dimension to us, because when he's playing standard Hawaiian songs, it's with a rock and roll intention. Push, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We were a weekend band. You know, Friday, Saturday, mm -hmm. special oh, shows. Every, yeah, everyone had day special jobs as well. Of course. Special but, but Peter didn't. I mean, no. was that no. enough for that Peter? That was his full-time. Yeah, well, just trying to, you know, uh, organize us for monkeys was a full-time job, right? In itself. <laughs> Perfect, then. 
He was a great businessman as well. Very good businessman. Yeah, great uh, businessman. I mean, yeah, to the extreme. Yeah, uh, he, he was very good. Tell us, you know, what to wear, where to be, what time to be on the plane and everything. He he's <laughs> laid out our itinerary so you know when you had to breathe. I mean, it was, I make fun of it, but it helped. We yeah. never had to think about that. Yep. We, just, we just was there for play. Absolutely yeah. structured all the way through. It's serious. I mean, the schedule was down to, you know, 8.55. Oh, you know, wow. Meet Whoa. in the lobby. You know, here's the uniform, 32 blue, which meant the number 32 shirt and blue slacks, you know. And, and, and all of us, you know, I mean, we joked about it. Oh, man, geez. But it, we never had to think about it. We could just come and play. To me, Peter who's basically the glue for all of this. Uh, he, he knew what he was doing. Learning and, and playing with uh, Pops Gabby, Otta Isaacs in Warmanalo, he knew what he was doing when he was with the Painui's, the early Sunday Manoa days. He knew what he was doing with Robert and Roland. Every one of his um, different groups or genres achieved mm-hmm. a specific purpose. You know, and when he, when he put together the Peter Moon Band, it was to just go this way. You, you know, mean out in all directions? Any direction you like, uh. you know, and smart enough to know who to bring into the band, who would cover all these pieces, you know, mm-hmm. and, and help him finish that painting. I remember we were doing a poolside event. We were background music for some rich person. This is during the day now. Everybody kind of swimming, drinking, and we, Peter Moon Band, playing in the background. <laughs> so... Peter just was kind of like very casual, just kind of coasting. So he didn't open up his guitar case. He played the whole set just with his ukulele. Played the same stuff. What he would normally play on guitar, he's playing them with the ukulele. Oh, and and, and we, we're okay. like, okay, well, you Standing know, yeah, no, you, you don't need to play guitar. Just play what you like because you're the boss. Yeah, yeah still sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, talking about that, I, I remember our setup for Peter because I always had to set Peter's instruments for him on stage so he had an ukulele identical to Bob's and three guitars and one was tuned slack key uh, to the C six tuning one was tuned to the wahine uh, taro patch A tuning and then one was standard tuning and there was always a spare guitar because by and large we would always break strings on stage and we play medium gauge strings which to most guitar players are heavy heavy gauge, you know, they usually play light gauge. Industrial. Industrial <laughs> strength. Very structured, the whole band was, was very structured environment for all of us. Do you think it, it, it really did achieve the sound he was going for? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You know, because like, if it no. didn't, we'd do it again. Okay. And change it, you know. You know, we've been on stage with Peter. We've been in the rehearsals at his house. You, you, you know when there's satisfaction. You can see it. You know, he just kind of like, yep, that's what we're doing. You know, and he, he just, okay. So while he was teaching and he wasn't touring any, anymore, I shared this with Bob, you know, I had the opportunity of, of going over to the house. Uh, he called me up, Yim. And none of us had first names, you know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to come over, you know, uh, Go pick up macaroni salad, you know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I got to know him uh, really well uh, before he, he got ill. And uh, he shared a lot of uh, interesting backstories with me, you know. But very fortunate, you know. And now I feel that I'm in the position to pass it on to the, the next uh, generation and the generation beyond that, you know. Well, what would you pass on? One of the hallmarks of the Peter Moon Band that a lot of people don't know is that um, Peter did not like what they call bar chords. And bar chords where you hold the, the whole uh, neck of the guitar with one finger sure. and then form different, uh-huh. but it kind of is more muffled sound. He it didn't is. like that. One of the hallmarks was open chording. Mm-hmm. It's where you hear the guitars ring all the time. They That's ring out. It's so crisp. Yes. Sometimes I would sneak and play a bar chord and face away from him, and, but he'd hear it. <laughs> it's a what are you doing? You know. <laughs> well, and, and to their credit, the musicians could, could play that. Yeah. You know, Cyril used to, you know, play standard stuff with slack and slack key. Slack key. You know. Whoa. And you know, um, and Dwight can do anything. Yes. Steve is like oh, a machine. Yep. My brother Steve, they're they're like machines. They can just, you know, and Randy. Sometimes I think he gets bored just playing 
good stuff <laughs> on his guitar. So suffice it to say, I, I had the best seat in the house playing with these guys. One, one thing that's interesting for me, because uh, I talked to Dwight about it, you know, and Dwight, as Mark referenced before, he's a hammer, he's a hired gun, he, he's good at everything, you know, playing Hawaiian music. But he himself told me of all the music that he played, he doesn't get a chance to play Peter music, which is the music that the Peter Moon band play. What I mean, kind of music is that? You know, which is the more, you know, contemporary, yep. aggressive, rock and roll, borderline, you know, offensive yep. kind of stuff. Yeah, because yeah. if you listen to the music nowadays, there's a lot of traditional type, which is good. And a lot of vocal harmonies, a lot of simple, simpler music. And then, you know, um, there's stuff that, I don't know, I just, you know, the three chord, four chord, semi-reggae music. There's a lot of that going on. Not too many guys have, you know, tried to or can play what we used to play yeah. as a band. And it's very specific. All, every song was an arrangement. Nothing was just pick up and go, you know. Every song had an arrangement. Every song had an intro. Every song had a tag ending specific to that song. You know, just having the opportunity to, to play with these guys, you know, I, I you know consider myself lucky. And when you look back, I hear myself the music we're playing on the airport, I hear it on radio, I hear it on commercial, you know, it's like, but it's still there. It's still being played. I remember, you know, certain songs, certain venues, certain times where Ciro did this, and I was there to hear Ciro do, do that. Or when Martin recorded Flying in the studio. True story, one take. The song that you hear on vinyl or on whatever is one take. Martin sang the whole song once. throughout this program. Martin Pahinui on vocals here. Peter Moon went on to produce important local music concerts, touring as a duo with Dwight Kanai and teaching over the years. Moon passed in 2018. The discography lives on. Mark Yim performs currently on Sundays at Nikos. Nikos has live music scheduled every night. Dwight Kanai leads the roster at the 39th annual Hawaiian Slack Key Guitar Festival at Blue Note Hawaii, Sunday, August 8th. The Ohana at Pahinui Productions is always up to something. They had a beautiful birthday tribute for Sybil, Cyril this year. Trade with 
just so great to leave you with this terrific song from the Peter Moon Band. And that about wraps it up for this Aloha Friday. <laughs> so glad you were here for this one. Noe Tanigawa here. And let me tell you, we love to hear from you. You can check in by the talkback line, 808-792-8217. Email us if you want to talk back at hawaiipublicradio.org or post those comments wherever you do your social media kind of stuff. Visit the conversation page on the HPR website to listen back. This program is produced lovingly, Kako style, every week by Savannah Harriman Pote, Russell Subiono, and Lillian Sung. Hey, we had to say aloha to our wonderful intern, Matt Fairfax. <laughs> Stay warm on the East Coast, Matt. Okay, our theme music courtesy of Gypsy 808. I'm Noe Tanigawa. Be sure to join us Monday. Catherine Cruz will pick up the conversation. Until then, let's take care of each other, huh? And happy Aloha Friday. <laughs> <laughs>